Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Speak Truth Sports podcast. Uh, I'm Bert, and I'm joined by Trey. Uh, and before we get into this, I just want to ask that if you're listening to us on YouTube, please subscribe and leave a like and a comment. Uh, it really helps the algorithm and helps us grow. Uh, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting place, please leave us a five-star review and follow us. Uh, it'll help us just grow and deliver a better product to you. So it's a little bit of, you know, you help us, we help you. Um, keep an eye out for our website, speaktruthsports.com, that will be launching soon. There's going to be articles on there on a bunch of different sports from a bunch of different people. Uh, and please keep an eye on our social medias for when we launch the site. You can find us just about anywhere uh, at Speak Truth Sports. So timestamps are also going to be in the description. If you want to skip around to the topics, uh, and we also have, we're, today we're covering the NBA and the NFL, but we're going to start with the NFL. So today in general, we're going to cover NFL headlines, we're going to give our award predictions, and we're going to make our Super Bowl predictions, and on the NBA side of stuff, we're going to uh, cover teams that have a stopping and staring, whether it's for a good reason or a bad reason, and we're going to uh, look at two struggling teams and uh, we're going to discuss why they're struggling. And I have a big rant coming towards a certain Washington, D.C. team. So uh, stick around for that because it's going to be really, really legendary. All right. So to kick things off in the NFL, Larry Fitzgerald is retiring, man. Yep. Very legend, man. I mean, it's, it's sad to see. I, I just wish that he got one last playoff shot. I feel like we all kind of wish it. Kind of have a Cinderella story a bit. Yeah. Um, I really think that that last game was just really bad. It was so disappointing. Really I mean, bad. I want to say that the Ravens are the most disappointing team in the league, but at least they made the playoffs. <laughs> the Cardinals have so much talent. I feel like they're the most disappointing team in the league. I think it's funny because the the Cardinals and the Bears, both those teams started off. The Bears were five and one. And the Cardinals were five and two. <laughs> the Bears and they the. It's just like they literally crashed and burned at the wrong time. But then the Bears were able to pick up momentum when it mattered most. I just can't believe the Bears are in, man. I never I, would have thought the Bears would have made it. Who would have thought Mitch Trubisky would have led that team to the playoffs with a loss? <laughs> this might be bad for yeah. the Bears because they might want to keep him. But we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, yeah. Or maybe in another podcast. So uh, Larry Fitzgerald's stats uh, for if he retires after the season is... 17,492 receiving yards uh, and 121 touchdowns over 17 seasons. Uh, I think he's a Hall of Famer for sure. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the fact that this guy has more tackles and drops, yes. that automatically makes him a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's a big stat. Uh, so, next. <laughs> From strip club to stripped of his job, what do you think is next for Dwayne Haskins? Do you think he'll get another shot? Dwayne Haskins, it's... It's frustrating because when I was one of the few people, or one of the people who used to think that Dwayne Haskins could be successful um, in that franchise, in that organization, um, but he's just very immature and he made very irresponsible decisions when the team needed him most. They were literally teetering on a playoff uh, position and he was going to strip up after the loss against the Panthers. And it was just really bad on his part. It was really bad. I mean, the team is literally built on fighters. Ron Rivera beat cancer in the same season he started um, coaching this team. Alex Smith overcame 17 surgeries to come back and play for the team and be with those guys. He almost lost his life. Yes. And you have Dwayne Haskins who lost, played bad and lost, got benched, went to the strip club. Like, it's just really bad. 
I just think that Dwayne Haskins, he, I don't know if he'll start again, but I think he probably will get a second chance as a backup. I'm going to say I don't think he's going to get a second chance unless he does something, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. But, I mean, when you're labeled as a distraction in the NFL, I mean, you're basically asking to not get signed by anybody. I mean, no matter how good you are, Antonio Brown, he's he was like a top three receiver when he became a distraction. And then he got signed by a couple teams and then dropped. Uh, it's... And so many other teams don't even want him in their locker room. It's just such a, whether it's fair or not, getting labeled as a distraction is like, it's pretty bad for your career. Uh, and I'm not sure. So here's the thing, right? Even teams that are desperate for a QB didn't really look at Josh Rosen. I mean, he got signed like two weeks ago by the San Francisco 49ers. But like, Josh Rosen's not even a locker room issue, and he wasn't even getting looks, you know? So why would Dwayne Haskins get looks? His play hasn't really led to that, Yeah. and his attitude, or at least his perceived attitude, is not going to help him at all. I think he does have a chance to come back to the NFL if he goes through the XFL. Interesting. Huh? I, I mean, the Rocks bring it back to the XFL. If Dwayne Haskins shoots his shot there, I mean, he could be like a P.J. Walker, maybe. Obviously, he has some maturing to do, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, once he gets past that, I really think he could make a name for himself in the XFL, and that's—I'd say—that's, in my opinion, the only real shot he has to make an NFL roster again. I think Rivera was right when he said the release was best for both parties. Yeah, um, this is a great chance for him to grow as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that. You know, being from the DMV area and, you know, going to Bullets High School and a bunch of people around you, you know, bad influences, a lot of yes men and all that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like that definitely got to his head. He made him feel like, hey, you know, these people are already behind me. I know they're behind me. Um, even the owner's son goes to Bullets, I think, uh, high school. And it's just like, it's just too much of bad, in- bad influences around him. I think this is a good chance to get a new change of scenery. Maybe he'll learn to grow. Not like, um, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, comparing these two at all, very different people. One's very successful. Dwayne Haskins is not so much. But like, um, Michael Vick, I was watching the 30 for 30 a couple, I think a couple weeks ago, and how when he was in the ATL area and all that stuff, um, no, uh, Newport News and all that, when he went back there, a lot of bad influences around him. And, you know, that's why... Um, I think also he went to Atlanta uh, to like a party or something like that. It was a couple of years, like years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think he, um, he got like a, some trouble, legal trouble and all that stuff after, you know, he was already in trouble for the dogs, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, but he had to let go of his childhood friend because he didn't want to be in that trouble. Sometimes you got to let go of those close friends and stuff like that. And maybe Dwayne Haskins needs to have a moment to get away from all these people around him are, you know, saying things in his ear, making him believe, you know, he can do no wrong when obviously he's done a, a lot wrong on and off the field. Yeah. When, when you're bragging about putting up 300 points, uh, putting, up, putting up 300 passing yards, excuse me, passing yards in, uh, in, a, in a game you lost, which is against the Ravens, that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. I think that this is an opportunity for him to definitely grow somewhere else. 
Yeah, and I mean, Haskins, you know, he's never not started. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I think to him getting benched was like a big slight towards him when like that really wasn't what it was about. Like, I don't know. I, this will give him a chance to grow as a person. He's, I, I definitely hope he matures. Um, I wish the best for him. And I hope he pulls up to the XFL because that would make it a lot more exciting. Well, there are teams that were interested in Haskins as right. a backup. Uh, Denver. Uh, they said report it to Denver. Yeah, I could see New that. England. <laughs> uh, San Francisco was a, a point. Um, and ironically, Carolina was as well. Yeah. But um, I'm not saying he'll go to any of those places, but I'm just saying the teams were mm-hmm. interested in possibly building him up. Because he had a really good career, a uh, really good season, I should say, at Ohio State. Because he only played one full season. But his full season there was phenomenal. I understand that. But at the same time, a lot of teams had interest in AB. Even before, you know... And mm-hmm. he never went to any of those places. He only, he just got signed in Tampa Bay. So yeah, but someone was vouching for him. Yes. Tom Brady. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so I, it's gonna be a really tough road for him to come back. But I, I wish him the best. Of course. All right. So this has been like a big topic over the past, I guess, twenty four hours since we've been from the time we're recording this. Uh, the Eagles and football team game. So a lot of people are saying that the Eagles. Uh, should get fined or Doug Peterson should be fired because he's not trying to win and they say it hurts the integrity of the game. Uh, let me go off on this a little bit and then you can step in. Yeah. So here's my here's the thing with why I think the Eagles benched hurts. I don't want to say that they were tanking. Uh, you could say that at, they might be tanking, right? They might have tanked that game. But let's look at what happened like Earlier in the game, before they took Hurts out, Jalen Rager got hurt. The football is one of the most dangerous sports in the world. And to play a meaningless game and to start your potentially future young quarterback, who you think could develop into a star, to start him in that for the whole game in a meaningless game where he could very well get hurt, where half your team is injured anyways, mm-hmm. where Jalen Rager just got hurt, you know, they might have wanted to save him a little bit. Like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with trying to save a player for next season? You know, one one play in football could end your entire career, let alone possibly even your entire life, you know? I, I don't blame the Eagles for benching Hurts. I think the reason they did it was because of injury. And I also have something to say to the people who are complaining about tanking in the NFL and saying it ruins the integrity of the game, why aren't you? Why don't you keep that same energy towards the Jets or the Jaguars? People were sell. People were actually like, um, they were like, making like sad memes and stuff like that of like when the Jets finally won. Shouldn't you be happy? The Jets won, but people were saying, no, this should have been tanking. They should have. They should. They just lost Trevor Lawrence. Make up your mind. You know, don't don't look at it as. Uh, you know, the Jets are being, uh, in, they're, they're having integrity toward the game, but the, the, the Eagles aren't because the Eagles have been fighting the entire season. It's just this one last game of Week 17, which a lot of teams do anyways. Usually a lot of teams just sell their last game because it's meaningless. They're not going to go anywhere, and they don't, want, they don't want to get anybody hurt. So you shouldn't really get mad at anybody. Or you shouldn't get mad at teams for doing this because they've been doing this for a long, long time. Uh, and if you're going to get mad at the Eagles for tanking this one game, why don't you get mad at the Jets 
or the Jaguars for tanking their entire season. I mean, the Jaguars literally traded everybody. They got rid of everybody and just got picks. Yeah. And everyone was like, who are they going to play? And even when they had Gardner Minshew, they benched him for Mike Glennon, who's, who in my, who's yeah. worse. <laughs> who's worse, much worse. So you can't tell me that the Jags aren't doing the same thing but over a whole season. That doesn't make any sense. In my opinion, the, mo- the people that are mad the most are Giants fans <laughs> and probably just NFC fans, NFC East fans in general. And to that, I say, you know, it sucks. But look, if you wanted the Giants to make the playoffs, they should have won more games. Yeah, six games is dismal. <laughs> you can't, you can't like <laughs> complain over not getting the playoffs. While your record is six and ten, dog, you wouldn't be competing anywhere in any other division. You would not be competing for a playoff spot. You would just be done for the season. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's really interesting you brought the Jets. Uh, I think it was the punter. He made like a game-saving tackle or something like that. And the punter actually received death threats from when they won the game. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, people do need to keep that same energy. Uh, I want to also touch on the fact that Doug Peterson owes nothing to the Giants organization <laughs> or fans. So, Giants fans getting mad at Doug Peterson. Um, you guys, if I recall correctly, did they not split or did they get swept by the Eagles this year? I know they lost the first game to the Eagles. The Giants? The Giants. I'm not exactly sure. They, well, I think they did. They lost the game to the Eagles regardless. If you guys were so mad at them, you guys should have played better against them when you had the chance to. Um, how I see this more so, I think it's it was a good move for the future. Like you pointed out, Jalen Rager did get hurt. Half the team's already was not even playing. Miles Sanders wasn't playing. Um, I think Fletcher Cox wasn't playing. A lot of people were already on injury reports and were not playing. Um, if they won that game they would have been moved to the ninth pick and they would have just stopped Washington's uh, run to the playoffs, which is, it's, that's, that's just cool and all for them, but they're not really getting anything. They're actually, like I said, they moved back in the draft. Um, since they did lose, they have the sixth pick. So they're building for the future. Yeah. I'm not, I don't agree with tanking, but at the same time, you got to look at the bigger picture. Uh, if Jalen Hurts did get injured in that game, that organization is done for because Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson's relationship is all but fractured, they said. Um, so he doesn't want to play for them anymore. Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffries been in and out the whole season as receivers. Um, Jason Kelsey, uh, Zach Ertz, those guys, that might have been their last game as Eagles. So hardly a lot of guys leaving. You might as well keep your star, potential star quarterback for the future. So I don't want to. It would be bad to keep him in, and he did get hurt in yeah. that situation. So the bottom line is they had nothing to gain by winning. Yeah, nothing. And at all. they had everything to gain by losing. So you can't blame them for taking the loss. You know, mm-hmm. I, I guarantee if you were the team, if you were the coach of, your, of that team, you would definitely do the same. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I mean, is it a weak move? <laughs> I mean, yes, a little bit. But at the same time, Doug Peterson already has made a weak move this season. The Bengals game, um, it was an OT. I think they had a chance to hit like a 60, 60, 60 plus yard field goal, which Jake Elliott has done that before. That's what actually sent them to the playoffs, I think, in their miracle run, if I recall correctly. Um, but instead, he took a false start and then punted it away. And then it, the game ended up in a tie. Um, so Doug Pearson's made questionable decisions already in the season. And 
particularly weak decisions in the season. Um, so this comes to no surprise. So no surprise coming from Doug Peterson, to be honest. But to you know to fire Doug Peterson when the guy led you to multiple playoff runs and your only Super Bowl in your uh, franchise history, to fire him over this, I think it's a bit outlandish. I agree. And then on the on one last point before we move on to the next topic, I want to say that there were a couple points in the games where they went for it on fourth down. In the moment watching that game, I was like, this is not a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Hindsight looking back, everyone's like, why'd they go four on fourth? Why did they do all this? Like, they're obviously tanking. No, those are two decent decisions because if they had got a touchdown on that first fourth down, which they almost did, Hurts barely underthrew it. Mm-hmm. If they had gotten a touchdown, they would have gone up. And then, or, uh, and then it would have been very, very good for them moving forward. Uh, and then the second fourth down was obviously they were behind. They were trying to catch up. So y- those two coaching decisions were not like he wasn't purposefully tanking the team just by those coaching decisions. Like that was just part of the flow of the game. That's just the decisions a coach makes during the flow of the game. And I agreed with I agree with the first one. I didn't agree with the second one necessarily, but th- that's what happens. Like sometimes you agree with coaching decisions, sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. All right. Next topic. NFL award predictions. So, I guarantee we agree on... Actually, I, I know we agree on comeback player of the year. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty easy. Go ahead and name yours. Just Alex Smith. Yeah. Without a doubt. There are people even considering changing the name of the award after the, him. Yeah. I mean, like what we were talking about earlier, when we were talking about the Haskins segment, the guy came back from 17 surgeries. Nearly lost his leg, nearly lost his life. His wife didn't want him to play football. They had to sign off for him to play, and they were very hesitant on even doing that. So the fact that he came back, his stats aren't the prettiest. I think he had more interceptions than touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I think he threw for a little bit under 2,000 yards. But it's just the fact that he's even playing after such an injury. It's just, it's honestly incredible. Like, it's if you watch, miracle, honestly. If you, like, all right, if you are debating, like, no, it was Big Ben or somebody else. Like, just go watch the documentary first. Like, yeah. on, like was it the 30 for 30, right? Uh, I think it was, yes. Yeah, go watch go watch the 30 for 30 on Alex Pro- Smith's was recovery. It, was it called Project 17? I think. But just look up, like, Alex Smith documentary. I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, oh, that's on the <laughs> That was my bad. Yeah, bad. just go look up the Alex Smith documentary and you'll find it. Uh, just watch it. It's, it's just so harrowing and it's so... Um, it really makes you realize, like, yeah, football players are, they really are people. Like, and this dude was almost done for. Sorry, it was Project 11. Project 11. Yeah. It's E60 Project 11. I mean, just, yeah, I mean, just the fact that he's even playing is a miracle. And he played through a game with a bloody leg. He did. Like, his leg was just straight up bleeding. He was on one leg, and he still beat that team. Or, like, he helped contribute to that. That was the Steelers game. When they undefeated the Steelers. So, that was really impressive. All right. This is one that it's probably gonna be controversial for both of us because we both don't have one person here. I don't know anybody else that I don't know who you have, but uh, this is offensive rookie of the year. We're gonna do offensive rookie of the year. Who do you have for offensive rookie of the year? I mean, both these players that I was thinking about had good seasons in comparison. The, the rookies league. this year had an incredible season in general. 
There was yeah. just an amazing rookie class. It really was. Um, a, the two rookies I was thinking about, they both had really good seasons in comparison with other professionals and other veterans. But I, I just got to go with Justin Jefferson. Wow. That's I was not expecting rookie. that. I was really not expecting I was, that. That's my rookie of okay. the year. Because he's just broke uh, Randy Moss's uh, record mm-hmm. for most uh, like yards as a rookie. And Randy Moss is a Hall of Famer, and he was a great, yeah. great, great receiver. And Justin um, Jefferson wasn't even starting to begin the season. No. Justin Jefferson, he was supposed to be like a slot guy, and that's like that's it. That's his role, but he played a much bigger role. It was 88 receptions of the year, 1,400 yards, and seven touchdowns. That, I mean, I mean, in comparison to other receivers, that's really good. So I, I just, for me, where he stands to the others, I just think that he had the best – Rookie season. That is that that actually really surprised me. So, okay, wait. Before I jump into my, I, I do want to mention we had some honorable mentions both of us for a comeback player of the year. We had Alden Smith and Big Ben as uh, honorable mentions for comeback player of the year. But for offensive rookie of the year, man, I went with James Robinson. Really? I went with Jake because look, James Robinson is third in the league in rushing. He has, let me double check this. Yeah, he has 1,070 rushing yards, and he missed a couple of games. And he's third in the league in rushing as a rookie, undrafted. I think his story is just incredible. I, I want to give it to James Robinson. Uh, I really do see the case for Justin Herbert. I mean, honestly, this is such a, it, this is so close between these three, in my opinion, that it could, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to any of these guys. Justin Jefferson, James Robinson, and Justin Herbert are just all, they had a, such fantastic seasons. Uh, Herbert declined a little bit, you know, as the season went on, but he still, you know, he brought that Chargers team more wins than it probably should have had. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my thing with Justin Herbert is, yeah, he broke Baker Mayfield's uh, rookie passing uh, record, but Baker Mayfield's not really doing much in the NFL. He kind of is just reaping the benefits of being on a great team. Um, I'm not saying try to get anything away from Justin Herbert, but he was just playing, just throwing the ball down there. They weren't playing for anything. They were never going to make the playoffs in that division because in the same division as the Chiefs, Chiefs, Raiders, and Broncos. Uh, Raiders were better than the Chargers as well. I just didn't see that team really doing too much. And I don't think he was supposed to – but the thing is, with this kind of press, he wasn't even supposed to really play this year because Tyra Taylor was to play until that, that strange doctor. yeah, doctor incident. But, I mean, kudos to Herbert. But I just think, for me personally – even over Robinson, I would say Justin Jefferson. I mean, honestly, all three of them have broken records this year for rookies. James Robinson almost actually broke the rookie rushing record in general. Mm-hmm. He came like a, I think it was like 40 or so yards shy of it. Uh, but he he did break the record for most yards by an undrafted rookie. Yeah, that's for so, sure. So, I mean, and he's honestly one of the best undrafted rookies I've ever seen. So He's probably the best offensive player on that team as well. Yeah. Uh, someone else I also want to just slide in there. Uh, J.K. Dobbins had a good season. If he had started the whole season, I think he would also be in this conversation, but he didn't. I feel like we're missing so. somebody who also should be on honorable mention. I want to say Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Should he was really yes. good. He had more rushing yards than uh, Robinson, but he wasn't undrafted anyway. Mm-hmm. But he had an impressive season. But people expect that from Rob- from Taylor. Yeah. So. Okay. Let's go to defensive rookie of the year. Uh, I feel like we both probably. I'm a homer. And he's had a good season. I'm not even being a homer. I just really like him. Yeah. Chase, Chase Young. Young. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, Jeremy Chin had a really good season. Jeremy Chin, Patrick Quinn. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Curl. Cameron, yes, Cameron Curl is pretty good. Antoine Winfield Jr. Yeah, he was doing pretty good. But just Chase Young, he was he was the energizer of that, that defense. Yeah. An already good defense. And he was just the missing piece. And just watching him on and even off the field, just the way he hypes up his players, they call him the emotional leader of that defense. Yeah. They even made him a captain. Yes. A captain as a rookie. I, I mean, it's just... He's everything that you want in a player, and especially a, a defensive player to lead like that. It's it's unreal. Look, I told you like the moment he was drafted that he was the best edge rushing prospect I've like ever seen from from <laughs> from when I've started watching the NFL. And you were like, "Eh, we'll see." Uh, and obviously, I'm pretty sure he's absolutely beloved by the entire Washington football fan base. Yeah. I'm not even a Washington football team fan. I'm a Ravens fan. Uh, but Chase Young, he just has an impact on the game that goes beyond the numbers. I mean, he has 6.5 sacks in the season. 7.5 now. 7.5, okay. Yeah. Uh, he also has five forced fumbles. Or is that six now? Is it five? It's five, right? It's four forced fumbles. I Pro Football yeah. Focus has it at five, so I just put that at five. All right. Well, five. Five. And then he has 31 solo tackles. I mean, those mm-hmm. stats are really good, but they don't tell the full story. I mean, if you were watching that Eagles versus football team game, just as an example, they were cutting through that line like butter. Him and Sweat were just running through. Like it, they were, If you put one person to try and stop Chase Young, he's just going to go through him. Like, it, like, like basically, they're not even there. I mean, he's just so, he's so incredible at getting to the quarterback. He puts so much pressure on a team's quarterback. Um, and he gets a lot of hits, quarterback hits. Um, he just changed that entire defense from like, a solid defense to an elite defense. He elevated them. And that defense won the football team games because their offense is pretty is pretty meh. Yeah. So you gotta give it to Chase Young. I mean, Jer- I see the I see the I see the reason for Jeremy Chin. He also had a fantastic season. Mm-hmm. I think he led the he led all rookies in tackles. Um, but he also did lead all rookies in missed tackles. But the thing about the any Panthers rookies, they I think all their draft picks this year were literally all defensive players. So, yeah. I mean, they had so many rookies on there on their defensive, uh, on the defensive side. I mean, I mean Chin, I said he had a good season, like you said. Um, Chase Young, Chase Young was just spectacular. Yeah, he made that team worth watching. Because mm-hmm. last season when they were three and thirteen, I I couldn't stomach watching. Half those games, yeah, and defense was one of the reasons why I couldn't stand watching that, those games, and just watching our past defense play so well, it's just it's unreal. It's absolutely unreal. All right, let's jump into coach of the year. I guarantee we disagree on this. There's no way you have the same coach as me. Mine's weird. Go ahead, name yours first. I have Kevin Stefanski. Really? But are you okay? Because the Browns. <laughs> The Browns were okay. up for some years. I see that. I can see But that. my thing is, Ron Rivera was also my... Ah, it's between those two. Because if they didn't make the playoffs, I didn't think Ron Rivera was going to be coach of the year. But the fact that he's overcame so much, and that franchise is... You know, as much as I like that team, and that's my home, that's my team, the front office, the owner and all that, been very messy. It's been very messy for way too long. And just the fact that he can overcome all that, I just feel like 
I might have to go with Rob Rivera. I like Stephen Kevin Stefanski, but I think I can go with Rob Rivera. I think he overcame more. I want to name my honorable mentions before I go into Coach of the Year. Uh, so my honorable mentions were Brian Flores of the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. I had Ron Rivera of the football team, and I had Sean McVay of the Rams. Mm-hmm. And I also had Matt Lafleur of the. Uh, yeah, he he's definitely honorable mention as well. So, Coach of the Year is just such a tight race. Like genuinely, like this is I, this is one of the tightest races for Coach of the Year I've ever seen because you have a case for you have a legit case for at least five or six coaches. Oh, to most win certainly, this. most certainly. I picked Sean McDermott. Really? Yes, because I think like the way they use Josh Allen, the way they've just really like bought into him, I think he deserves to get some credit for that. I think he deserves to, uh, especially because they took over the second seed in the AFC. Yeah. Like they deserve to. They, this was a team that people were saying, "Oh, they might sneak in there as a as a wild card." Yep. No, they became the second best team in the <laughs> AFC, and they're looking good for the playoffs. They're they're looking like Super Bowl bound possibly. So. I give it to Sean McDermott. I mean, just, I just think that he's done a fantastic job, and I think this Bills team deserves to get recognition for what they've done. That's a really good point. I didn't even like think about McDermott that much, but he has had a success. He's such an season. under the radar. Like I feel like nobody ever talks about him, but like he's done a very solid job. He has. That team had uh, no right being as good as they were, but I mean, with I don't know. I don't even feel like I want to switch my picks. Um, <laughs> I think for me, my final is going to be Ron Rivera, probably. Okay. So that's your final decision on coaching. Yeah, I like Kevin Stefanski and the whole Brown situation. And make, they make it in the playoffs for the first time since what? 2002. 2002? Yeah. The first 10-win season, 10-plus win season since 2007, if I'm correct. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I, I think I'll give it to Ron Rivera. Okay. Just, I mean, it's very understandable. It's, I mean, it's the fact that like, the football team wasn't even projected to be anywhere close to this. People had them at one win. Yeah. You know, it's funny. One one of those things I saw had one win, and it was against the Giants. It was getting swept by the Giants. <laughs> so I thought that was very With uh, Daniel Jones just entertaining. Look, he, it doesn't matter how bad he does against other teams. You know, guarantee he will beat the football team. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it does not matter. Unfortunately, so hopefully they can change that next season all right so let's jump to defensive player of the year i feel like you both probably the same person here uh i'm gonna go first i picked tj Watt. oh i did not put you didn't put okay i did not this is good this makes it exciting so uh tj Watt. i mean he leads the league in stat in sacks yeah with 15 he has two forced fumbles and interception i mean he really was the anchor of that uh steelers defense which was honestly like the focal point it was kind of the main reason they went they started the season eight and oh uh, was because of T.J. Watt uh, on what just the amount of pressure he brings to a quarterback uh, on the on the defensive end. It's just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I mean he's just there's not much to say. He's, you have to watch the games to really get a feel for the impact. But you know when you watch the games, like these guys like T.J. Watt and um, Chase Young, like they stand out. You will see them breaking through the line pretty often. Uh, so that's why I picked T.J. Watt for my DPOA. Mine was Xavier Howard, and he was, he was my, my mine. The reason why I have him, he leads the NFL in interceptions with ten, which that's like a Madden stat. Yeah. Ten interceptions <laughs> is a lot. Um, he led the NFL in pass deflections with twenty. Um, you know, he has forty solo tackles, one tackle for a loss, and one forced fumble. I just feel like, I mean, 
he just was so impressive, you know. He really, really locked down a lot of the people he was supposed to be uh, on. I just felt like, for me, maybe he had didn't have as much of an impact uh, as TJ Watt, because TJ Watt was the leader. But, I mean, I'm not going to, he's not on no the Rebus Island level, but he was pretty, pretty darn close. Yeah. And he was really locking down those receivers this year. I mean, he's a massive ball hawk. Yeah. And I, I just feel like, for me, 10, 10 interceptions is just something you don't see every day. I, I, I just feel like... I agree. It's a, it's a pretty ridiculous stat. Uh, I think that's why, for me, I just I think it's more impressive. Um, we've seen 15 sacks. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take anything away from TJ Watt. He's a great player. Yeah. He led that defense. But Xavier Howard, for me, he was just my... Personally, he was my defensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean, he was my second choice. I was really debating between those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, honorable mentions... Uh, we also threw in Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett. Well, Aaron Donald's always. He's always in yeah. contention. Miles Garrett and J.C. Jackson, mm-hmm. who I think was second in the league in receptions. Inter- or interceptions. Yeah. Interceptions. My thing with J.C. Jackson is that team was rough. Yeah. And <laughs> but their defense was very good. You got to give them that. Well, my, the Patriots as a whole. Until Gilmore went yeah, out. Yeah. A lot of their people just opted out. That whole def- Half the defense opted out. They had no receiver. Yeah. That team was just very rough. Yeah. But Belichick was kind of just coasting for the season. Yeah. JC Jackson was one of the standout players. All right. Offensive player of the year. So why don't you go ahead and go first? I was thinking about this one last night. And at first, I thought I wanted this player there. Then I switched them out last second. I think I'm going to give it to Derrick Henry now. Okay. Um, 2,000 yards rushing is not something you see. I think he's the eighth player to ever do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way he got 2,000 yards also was very important and very plays a very big role in why I put him there. I think he, what, he needed like 200 yards in his last game, 220-something yards yeah. in his last game just to get it. And it was a game that they, you know, need to win, make the playoffs, to ensure they made the playoffs and won, in one division also with that one. Um, the fact that he got 250-plus yards and a game that mattered so these mattered are, so much. These are Madden stats. Yeah, the game that mattered so much, I just feel like that for me, I mean, a dude averaged 126 yards per game as well. Uh, rushing, so he, he was just a dog, uh, you know. Once again, back to back leading rusher of the NFL. I mean, the dude can do no wrong as a running back. I for me, he has to be the offensive player of the year. I mean, he's just an absolute freight train. I also had him as offensive player of the okay. year. Um, I mean, he's got 200 to 2,027 rushing yards, 17 rushing touchdowns. I mean, you just don't see that every day. Yeah, uh, I think the impact he had was just. At, like he was that Tennessee Titans offense. He really was. I, I mean, it, it he's, was, the, he's it was, the face of that team. It for was sure. to, it was totally based. It's totally based around Derrick Henry getting going and then running play action. That's what that's like the entire offense's yeah. identity. But that's probably why I couldn't ever. I couldn't give him MVP. I don't know. I'm just gonna jump. And, oh, but before, before you jump to MVP, I do want to mention uh, some honorable mentions. I Dalvin Cook. Uh, Alvin Kamara, just because the way he carried the offense when Drew Brees was out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mahomes and Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams had a fantastic season. Really? Dude, Devont- he no, missed- no, no, no. Yes. That he one- missed three games and he was the touchdown reception leader. But- yeah. No, I'm cool with that. I'm surprised you didn't name... Because my my honorable mention, the person that was actually 
thing about switching Derrick Henry out for was Josh Allen. Oh yeah, Josh Allen. Josh I, Allen was the one. That's because I considered him for another award that we'll get into. Let's get into it now. Okay. <laughs> you, you're worrying me. It makes it sound like you're going to. Okay. Uh. Go ahead. Who's your MVP? Well, I feel like he submitted it with. Was it four more touchdowns yesterday? <laughs> yeah. uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Without a doubt. Uh, at first, when I was first making this all, uh, I was thinking maybe you know Patrick Mahomes still had it, maybe, but nah. I think Aaron Rodgers submitted it yesterday. I think his I think his first incompletion yesterday was a drop pass for almost another touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Scantling dropped it. Uh, it's just the dude. <laughs> I mean. If Aaron Rodgers was not on the Packers, that team would not be a playoff team. Yeah, I that mean, team would be pretty bad. His his biggest talent to throw to is just it's Devontae Adams, and he was gone for three games. Yeah, you know, and they still performed very very well in those games. Aaron Rodgers has been, he's been throwing to a bunch of like nobodies and making them into somebodies for a long time. Yeah, this is just a season where he's he went he went nuts. Like he's thirty six years old. Yeah, he still got it. Uh, I, I also have Rodgers as my MVP. I mean, he's got 48 touchdowns, which is first in the NFL. Uh, he's got five interceptions, which uh, is unreal, which is tied for the fewest in the NFL. His, he has an 84 QBR, which is first in the NFL, and his passing yards is 4,299, which is seventh in the NFL. So, I mean, he's just he's put up ridiculous stats at the age of 36. I think you also could make a case for Mahomes and Josh Allen. I think they both also had fantastic seasons. But come on, like you can't you can't beat Aaron Rodgers' like impact on this team. Like, no, you can't. Mahomes has so many weapons that like it's almost like, oh yeah, I mean, he's supposed to do this. Rodgers, it's kind of it's more like a wow, he's really still doing this. Yeah. yeah. For me, I was I was talking about that also, uh, in some of the things I was looking at. Um when you really think about it, Rogers' weapons is it's Devontae Bob Adams, Tunyon. Robert Tunyon, yeah, well, Marcus <laughs> Scantling, Scantling. Uh, I think uh, Lazar. Lazar, but he was out for a he while. was out for a while as well. I couldn't really name you. I mean, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, but they're running backs. They're not yeah. always someone who he dumps off to them a couple times, but it's not as much as Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, who are both I mean, the top yeah. ten. Uh, receiving yards <laughs> this year. Um, you have people like even uh, Michael Hardman. Um, who else is there? I mean, there's still like so much. Blair, but he's out. But yeah. Robinson, now Le'Veon Bell, maybe they'll get him finally. Clyde Edwards, he layer was yeah. really good. So, uh, for me, it's just, it, like I said, take Aaron Rodgers away from that team. That team is not. A thirteen and three team. Yeah, people thought this team was not even going to play this well because they didn't, didn't draft any receivers. Yeah, I didn't think they were going to make a first seed. Yeah. If you had asked me before the season, I would have been like, eh, maybe they'll they'll probably get to like the three or four. If you'd asked me, people were thinking they were wild card. Damn, Some people did. I'm not saying that's the most um, accurate statement, yeah. but I would I didn't think they'd be one to say the least. Um, but I want to talk about Patrick Mahomes a bit. Um, Patrick Mahomes actually broke a record, and not for a good reason this season. Really, what was it? Um, Patrick Mahomes had 16 dropped interceptions, which is an NFL record. You know what? I also have another stat about Mahomes. Look, Mahomes is great. I just want no, to know. yeah, please. We're not hating on Mahomes at all. Please, Mahomes is fantastic. That. He's obviously like the best quarterback in the league right now. But 
he throws the most wide open passes to his receivers out of anyone in the league by far. It's a very wide margin. Um, if you look at how many throws he makes to wide open receivers, it is a very wide margin. His receivers are so good at getting open, it really seriously helps him a lot. And like you said, he had 16 dropped interceptions, which yep. is actually ridiculous. Yep. Like, I don't know. I, uh, I, The Chiefs, we'll talk about the Chiefs later. I think they look, I think Mahomes looked shaky the past few weeks in general. I mean, the team looked I think shaky. I think it's the Super Bowl hangover. We they're, they're, we always see that. Some, some teams have that hangover after the Super Bowl. They're not as hungry or motivated to prove themselves, so they just kind of coast. Yeah. yeah. It's just he's he's just not been playing as well as I expected him to, uh, and this is not like not playing well in general, but to Mahomes' standards. Yes, he's not playing. Too I don't want to ever. I don't want anyone to think that Patrick Mahomes is not playing well and like at all, but like he's just not playing up to the standard that we we hold him up to. Um, and let's just say like even half of those interceptions like got caught, his stats would look a lot worse right now. Yeah, much Gen- worse. Like much worse than that they look right now. All right, so we both agree on the MVP, it's Aaron Rodgers. So let's jump to talking about the NFL playoffs. So the playoffs are finally set. In the AFC, we got the Chiefs who have a bye week. We have the Bills versus the Colts. We have the Steelers versus the Browns. We have the Titans versus the Ravens. In the NFC, we have uh, the Packers who have a bye week. We have the Saints versus the Bears, uh, the Seahawks versus the Rams, and the football team versus the Bucks. So... Before we get into Super Bowl predictions, what's your matchup of the week? Out of those, I want to see... Who do you think will have the most entertaining game? For me personally, I just, I'm just looking forward to the Ravens vs. Titans again. Me, that, that, was, was, that was mine too. That was a very good... That was a very interesting game last year. It's, a nice, I little, see, it's a nice little rivalry that's brewing. Yeah, because for me, the Browns-Steelers, Browns are probably going to lose. If they struggled against the Steelers' backups the way they, like, the way they did yesterday... Yeah. I don't think they'll... They have a shot, though. They have a puncher's chance. It's the, I mean, it's the NFL. Anything can happen. Of yeah. course. Uh, the Colts, Colts for me, Phillip Rivers. I just, I'm they're, over Phillip Rivers. They're losing. <laughs> I'm over Phillip Rivers. He's he's the person holding that team back. If he wants to possibly retire, I'm all for it. No offense to Phillip Rivers. He's a great quarterback. Potential Hall of Famer. Not first ballot, but potential Hall of Famer, in my opinion. And this and is why I was talking about maybe they trade for Wentz. And Wentz. on the last podcast, and but reports came out. Yeah, Frank Wright was yeah. the was the quarterback guru that got the Philadelphia Eagles their Super Bowl. So it makes sense that Wentz wants to go back to where he felt most comfortable. Um, but I just I'm over Philip Rivers as a Colts head uh, head quarterback or starting quarterback. Um, so I don't really care for that game to be honest. Um, on the NFC side of things. Most games really interest me, to be honest. The Bucks versus okay. the football team. Let's let's get into who do you think is gonna make the Super Bowl? We're gonna stamp it in right now. We're probably gonna be wrong because that's how it always goes. But I, I'll I'll go I'll go first in this one. So a lot of people are probably gonna be like, "Yo, what are you talking about?" <laughs> but genuinely, I think the Chiefs really look human this year. I mean, they they lost the Raiders, didn't they? They did. Like, early on. And they almost lost to them again. And the reason the Raiders lost that second game was that their offense just kind of choked it. They did. You know, the Chiefs this year are definitely in a Super Bowl hangover. I mean, if they they ever 
consider any of their opponents like if they ever take it easy, they could seriously get surprised and lose the game. I, I seriously see that as a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Bills have a very good shot against them, and I do pick the Bills to go to the Super Bowl on the AFC side. Now, okay, the AFC and NFC are very hard to predict like who's going to come out of for completely different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. The AFC is because all the teams there are just so good. They are just so... Um, they're on like so many different levels on in the AFC. At least the, the like top four or five teams. They're just very very good. Uh, so it's hard to see who's gonna come out because they're so good. For the NFC, it's hard to see who's gonna come out because they all have one massive flaw, and you don't know how stuff is gonna match up exactly next week uh, or the week after, I should say. Mm-hmm. You don't know how stuff is exact is exactly gonna match up. Uh, so you know this could go in a bunch of different directions, honestly. But I picked the Packers to come out of the NFC. I think they've done the most to address their one weakness, their biggest weakness, which is their run defense is atrocious. But they held Derrick Henry to, what was it? I think 90 yards on like 20 carries. Yeah. That's pretty good. They did a pretty good job. That's pretty good. And they also uh, all obviously held David Montgomery and they destroyed the, the Bears. Um, so I think the Packers, you know, if they get they're hot coming into the playoffs right now. If they can just keep that up, I think they have a real shot. I think the Packers are also going to come out from the NFC side of things, but the reason why I think that is every other team they just for me the Seahawks they're just they're kind of for me they're kind of like the Steelers. They're just kind of like kind of limping their way into the playoffs. I'm not really feeling their <coughs> momentum. Yes, they did beat the 49ers, but the 49ers are literally running. They had the most injuries in the NFL. and the most people with injury reserve. Did you know, actually, so for the Seahawks, most people are like, oh, their defense sucks, right? <laughs> actually, you know, since from week 12 to week 16, their defense hasn't allowed more than 17 points. So actually, they're, in my opinion, I'm less concerned about the Seahawks' defense than I, than I am about their offense. Because their offense is looking... That's what's so exactly scary. because since week twelve, excluding the Jets game, because the Jets, yeah. they haven't scored more than I, th- I think twenty three points, but obviously also besides week seventeen, yeah, they haven't scored more than twenty three points. That's not a good recipe for a Super Bowl run. I mean, a few teams have done stuff like this, like maybe the Patriots, but they have they have one of the most like clutch players in NFL history in Tom Brady. Of course. You know, so they could kind of get away with it a little bit. Obviously, they have Bill Belichick. The Seahawks, I mean, I like Russell Wilson, but he's he kind of played himself out of the MVP race. He was the front runner for MVP early Jeffrey in the season. Uh, that's my concerns for the Seahawks. The Saints are missing Kamara. I, I, I wanted to pick them, but Kamara's out. Which Tyler Hurts is going to be out for? He's out for the game, the, the, the their playoff game. They already said that? Yes, because he, he got COVID. COVID he was yeah. test positive. So he's he's out for two weeks automatically. Uh, if he's not there, they might even struggle against the Bears. I'm gonna be honest. Be- Drew Brees. I mean, I want him to make the play. I want him to make the bowl at least make the bowl, because I want to see him on his like swan song year. I want to see him make it, but I just I don't see it happening this year. Yeah, I don't. I the Saints for me. I mean, until Michael Thomas can fully get healthy, they've been kind of. 
this is a lot of short passes and then even shorter than slant passes so the team hasn't been looking the sharpest in general um i'm just not a big fan of the saints right now i their momentum to me it's all fake momentum the panthers i mean when they beat washington they're a pretty dismal team um so their last win week 17 win was it was eh, you know yeah. um i just don't feel it from I just don't feel it from the Saints at the moment. Um, the Bears shouldn't be in the playoffs, uh, so I don't really. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'm not gonna lie. Based on matchups, if somehow, actually no, there's no way. I was gonna say the Bears could get past the first round, but then they'd meet the Packers and they'd automatically yeah, they just wipe. Yeah. So I was gonna say unless somehow they can avoid the Packers, but there's no way because they're the seventh seed. So even if they win, they're automatically the seventh seed and they get the Packers. <laughs> yeah. If they could have avoided them, they might have a chance to make the NFC uh, championship. But uh, no, I, I don't want to bet on the Bears at all. Yeah. Uh, the, Rams, the Rams, they lost Jared Goff. If, is he still out? He's not going to play. He has a didn't he have a broken thumb. He, he should be out. Surgery. I think he's out for still like this week. Well, then they're done. Their yeah. defense is amazing. Their defense is I think the best defense in the NFL uh, statistically. But obviously, and their offense is already bad enough. I would have liked to see Rams versus the football team. I think that could have been a, a really good defensive match. It would be boring, to, maybe a little bit boring to watch because we already saw it early in the season. But yeah, it would be kind of nice to see. But I mean, like again. without without Jared Goff, because that makes their offense on the same level as the football team. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I agree yeah. with that statement. But like I said, the Rams are done for me um, because with Jared Goff, they're already kind of rough. But with Wolford, they're even worse. Um, the Buccaneers. Honestly, they're they're the other team, the only other team that I really would consider, like they could make it. They're firing them in all cylinders, but they're playing a lot of bad teams. They're very inconsistent, and their defense has has been horrendous recently. But you know, if if everything just kind of swings the right way, you know, they still have Tom Brady, even if he's a little bit old this year, he's kind of declining a little bit. They still have Tom Brady, and he had he still has the best weapons in the league. Well, Mike Evans could be out. He got injured in the yes. The but even without Mike Evans, you still have Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin. And yeah. you're also throwing yeah. to Gronkowski again. Yeah. Uh, and Cameron Brate's still there. Cameron Brate. Uh, the running backs are really good. Leonard Fournette, Scotty Ronald, Ronald Miller's Jones. still there. Isn't Ronald Jones hurt? Uh, he was hurt for a bit. I, I know. I know he missed this this past week's game. I'm not sure if he's out for the next week's game, but if he is, that does hurt him a little bit. But they still have Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette. Like this team is stacked on offense. It's their defense I'm really, really concerned about. I agree. That's why I just don't feel like they'll be the pinnacle in the NFC. For me, when it comes to Bowl prediction, kind of basic. I feel like the Chiefs will. For me, the Chiefs win because the Patrick Mahomes won't let them lose. Yeah. <laughs> he'll he'll even though it's aggressive and he might have th- might throw a, a you know a drop interception or whatever. He's a he's aggressive. He pushes the ball down the field. I mean, he just does what he does. And I feel like that, for me, is enough. I feel like he's going to push that team. Now, I think, I'm not going to say if they'll win the Bowl or not, but I'm just saying that he'll find some way to always push and push and push yeah. to even just to still make the Super Bowl. That's one thing. Because you were talking about how, what would you say about the Chiefs earlier? You are saying the that Super Bowl hangover. Hangover. For me, personally... How I see the Chiefs, the Chiefs put up a lot of points in the first half and take their foot off the gas. I, I can think of that with the Buccaneers game. I can think of that also with the Miami game off the top of my head. 
they take their feet up the, their foot up the gas way too often. But I feel like with the playoffs coming around, they have they can't afford to do anything like that. I mean, I can see that as well. Uh, another team I do want to bring up just as like a, well, it's not because I'm a Ravens fan, but you know the Ravens, they do have a shot to at least win their first playoff game. Because if you remember the last time the Ravens and Titans went against each other, the Ravens were absolutely decimated by like uh, the pandemic uh, violations and stuff. So they were missing like a lot of good players, a lot of key players, especially on defense. I mean, they were playing their safety at cornerback. So yeah. they were decimated yeah. on defense, uh, a little bit as well on offense, and they still kept it close. So if they can do that, you know, if they if they're fully healthy, they're also really hot coming into the playoffs. They yeah. have they've won their past five games, I believe, uh, and the Titans. They're kind of cooling off a little bit. They did have a really good uh, finish to the season, but before that. They've been a little bit inconsistent. Their defense has been very defense suspect. Very questionable. Very suspect. I mean, they dropped how many points to the, to the Texans? Like they dropped thirty-eight. Exactly. And like, they let the Packers drop forty on them. Yeah. The week before that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I, I could see the Ravens pulling the upset here. I could also see them uh, if they do end up going against the Bills. That would be a good game. I do think the Bills take it, mm-hmm. uh, but the Ravens have a shot. They have a shot in the dark. I think Lamar. Could finally win his first playoff game. I think he has a good he has a good shot here, um, and I, I do want to kind of push back on the narrative that Lamar is like a choker in the playoffs. <laughs> Look, last year in the playoffs, right? He had like I think I think I counted like eight drop passes from his receivers. Yeah, you can't win like that. Outside of Marquise Hollywood Brown, if you're not a Ravens fan, outside of Marquise Hollywood Brown, could you name any other receiver wide receiver on that team? I can't name one exactly. Yeah. Will, Willie Sneed. Oh, but Willie he Sneed. dropped. Okay, he dropped okay. probably the most balls last year. That's why I remember yeah. him. Hey, Willie Sneed was dropping a lot of balls. Uh, so was Mark Andrews. He was dropping a lot. He had butterfingers that game. Hollywood Brown even dropped a, a bunch of passes, and Seth Roberts dropped the biggest pass. I'd say he was right there for the touchdown. It was the hardest catch of his career, probably. But if he'd caught that, man, he'd yeah. probably still be on this team. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's. <laughs> Look, the, and then the year before that, like I, mean, I don't blame Lamar exactly like 100% for that loss last year. Uh, also, the play calling was just horrendous as well. Uh, but I do think that the it, it, like two years ago when Lamar was a rookie playing with a playbook that was designed for Joe Flacco, I don't blame him for that loss at all. He was a rookie. That was his first ever taste of NFL playoffs. Uh, the defense he was going against was actually very solid against him. Uh, the Chargers defense was very solid that, that year. Yeah, And, like I said, he was playing with another quarterback's playbook. He's he's a run-first QB, or he's a mobile QB. Yeah. And he was playing with a pass, a very immobile passing quarterback's <laughs> playbook. And he, you just, you know, they couldn't really do much with that. Um, so, don't listen to the, you know, Lamar Jackson's a choker in the playoffs. This is his third year in the league, man. Like, give him a break. Like, <laughs> how many how many players, not everybody can be like Mahomes, you know? How many players can really just come in and immediately win playoff games? It took Peyton Manning a little while. He did. So, I mean, give Lamar time. This could be his first playoff win. Uh, look out for it. And, yeah, so both of our predictions, just to round it out one more time, I have the Bills versus the Packers in the Super Bowl. You have the Chiefs versus the Packers. I do. But I think I just want to say one thing. I think it's interesting if you called uh, Ravens versus uh, – if the Ravens beat the Titans in upset. Because, I mean, yet 
I mean, yeah, they're the fifth seed and Titans are fourth, yeah. but they're the same record. It's only, an, it's only like, an upset in name because yeah. they're fourth and fifth and home yeah. field advantage. Yeah, but I just feel like the Ravens, with the momentum they have, they're on the uptick, and then the Titans are like, and you know what also made the Ravens middle out? They they started J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, and they've moved Mark Ingr- Mark Ingram to the third string. Which is and good. that has elevated their offense so much. He has helped. J.K. Dobbins has helped this team so much. So, yeah, I mean, if they were still starting Mark Ingram, first of all, I don't even think they would have made the playoffs. If they were still starting <laughs> yeah, I like Mark I Ingram. I love Mark but... as a person. He's a fantastic person. He's my favorite person in that Ravens locker room. But, you know, just he's kind of fell off a cliff a little bit this year. Yes. Okay, so that's it for all the NFL NFL segment and NFL news and stuff. Uh, we're gonna take a little break and we're gonna jump right into the NFL. So NBA. Or, sorry, NBA. 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 <laughs> it's I'm getting tired. <laughs> All right, we're jumping to the NBA. So we'll catch you in a second. All right, so we're jumping into the NBA, uh, and we're gonna start with a little, a little unique segment. We're gonna go with stop and stare. What is making you stop and stare about the league, about teams, about players in general? Uh, it can be for good or bad reasons. Why don't you go ahead and kick us off? For me, uh, first player, I want to say player, uh, that had me stop and stare at them this season is Kelly Oubre Jr. And not for any of the right reasons either. <laughs> yeah. um, so Kelly Oubre's stats currently right now um, is 9.7 points per game, 6.2 rebounds per game, 0.5 assists per game, 1.7 steals per game, 1 block per game, 33% shooting, 0.067% oh, three-point shooting, and 2.2 turnovers per game. Man. And <sighs> last season, his stats were 18 point, 18.7 points per game, 6.4 rebounds, 1.5 assists, 1.3 steals, and 0.7 blocks, 45% shooting, and 35% shooting from three. Um, I don't know what's going wrong. <laughs> it was... I don't... Is he not conditioned? Is he just uh, like... I don't know. I know he's came off the injury... Um, and that's why he didn't play in the bubble. But they shoot this badly is it's unacceptable. Uh, I was gonna say also him and Wiggins are shooting badly, but I want to really mainly talk about Uber because I have some of the breakdowns, uh, his numbers from the games so far since it's early the season and it's still reasonable to break down each one. So the Nets, he shot three of thirteen, um, three of fourteen, excuse me, and he was zero from six from three. Against Milwaukee, he was 1 of 10 shooting overall, uh, 0 of 5 from 3. Versus Chicago, he was 3 of 16 shooting, 0 of 6. So in the first three games, he didn't make one three-pointer. Yeah. Uh, versus Detroit, he made his first free-pointer throw, free three pointer of the season. He was 6 of 10 actually shooting, um, and was 1 of 4 from 3. Versus Portland on the New Year's Day, he was 4 of 12, 0 of 4 from 3. And finally, against Portland yesterday on the 3rd of January, he was 7 of 13 shooting overall, but 1 of 5 from 3. I just, this is one of the most puzzling drop-off cases I've ever seen. I mean, I know he's not going to keep this up for the whole season. Okay. I, I, hope, I hope he does. I hope not. But why is he shooting so, like, is, why is he shooting so bad? I like, his shots know. aren't just missing short, they're missing, like, everywhere, like, all over the rim. So, I don't understand. I mean, for me, it's really disturbing because this team... Is known for shooting, you know, in, the, in recent years. And Uber is typically a good shooter. He typically is. Like last season, he was thirty five percent. That's that's not bad. He's pretty three. solid. 
Um, I, this really hurts the offense a lot because it's still a shooting team. This team still relies on shooting. Um, but when him and Wiggins are shooting that poorly from three or just shooting poorly in general, it leaves a lot of work for Steph Curry to do. Which Steph, Steph Curry obviously had to put the team on his shoulder. Ridiculous. And 62 <laughs> points yesterday. Career so. high for Steph Curry. And you know how many assists he had? Four. Because if he passed the ball any more than Uber in those guys, they probably would have lost to the Blazers. That's some Kobe stuff right there. Yeah. Uh, so that was my first player for stop and stare. <laughs> yeah, for my stop and stare, I just had the Warriors team in general. I think Uber and Wiggins have just started off horrendous. I mean, <laughs> genuinely, like, Wiggins has been getting a little bit better. Ubre just still looks bad. Like I, it's mm-hmm. so hard to put a finger on why this is happening. I, I can, I have to say, like, it might have to do with his conditioning, or just I, maybe he wasn't in shape to start the season. Because that's the only really, that, that's the only way I can really explain this is like, maybe he wasn't really working hard during quarantine. That's my only. I don't know that, but that's my only explanation for what's happening. Steph looks like he's back to being Steph, like 2015, like prime Steph. And his his skills are just ones that age very well. His shooting, his handles, they age very well. He's not based on athleticism. He's not, not at all. So he'll be doing this for for a few more years to come at least. Uh, Wiseman's been very solid, I think. Uh, They aren't playing him like full starter minutes, but they are playing him to start, and they are giving him a lot of minutes. Uh... He just had his first double double yesterday. Uh, he's been good on defense. Uh, yeah, he's just been a very solid rookie. I definitely see him in the rookie of the year conversation. Oh yeah, most certainly. Draymond Green, he did get injured for a little bit. He but he still hasn't made a field goal this year. Did you know that? <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> he, but but in the same in the same light, he's playing fantastic defense. He's playmaking very well. This team has needed that, and he's playmaking very well for them. And he definitely has an impact that's bigger than the numbers. Uh, but still, you know, look, if Ubre and Wiggins aren't going to be hitting these shots, Draymond needs to make something. At know? least something. It, this is the same guy who had a triple-double without points. Like, <laughs> like, if he had just dropped a few more points, he would have gotten a quadruple-double. But yeah. he couldn't score enough, which is – that's just who Draymond is. Yeah. Um, the bench production has been pretty decent from them. Uh yeah, I mean they've you know they start off a little bit rough, but you know chemistry issues. You know they're bringing in two new big pieces, so I expect them to get better as the season goes on. Uh, who's your second stop and stare team? Um, stop and stare. Um, I didn't think very much of this team going into the season. I didn't have any high expectations like others did, but they've caught me off guard for all the right reasons, and that's the Atlanta Hawks. They've been playing really well. Actually. I was telling they're you, they're playing man. very sharp. I was uh, they're playing, and the thing is, they're winning in uh, winning in a definitive manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Young is putting up twenty eight point two points per game and eight uh, eight point three assists on average. I think what's really interesting to me is Rajon Rondo in fifteen minutes is putting up six points, which is not special, but seven assists and only averaging one turnover per game. <laughs> yeah. He's facilitating and he's the best veteran presence they need for the team. Um, because that team is was fairly young in the starting lineup. So having somebody come off the bench and just kind of lead the team into a winning manner, because dude just came off a championship run. Um, it's the perfect thing they need to help push this team in the right direction. They got a lot of improvements from their young players, such as DeAndre Hunter and Kevin Herter. Uh Clint Capello's 
all of them playing very well. Yes. In the four games he's played, he uh, averages 10.5 points per game and 12 rebounds. That is what they need, is someone who could rebound. And uh, just getting more on their team, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of put them on scale with the other teams in the NBA. Um, they're second in the NBA in points per game with 120, right behind Milwaukee has 124.5 points per game. The second in the NBA in rebounding uh, with 42.2 rebounds per game, which is behind the Utah Jazz with 51.3 rebounds per game. Fourth in the NBA in three-point shooting at 40%. The fifth in the NBA in uh, free throw shooting as well um, with 81.4%. Uh, and they're also 10th in the NBA in assists with 25 per game. So as a whole, the team is playing very well. So. That's why I was really surprised, and it made me stop and stare and like, wow, this team's actually uh, looking more legitimate than I thought. The loss to the Cavs, um, I think it's just one of those, you know, losses they have. Um, the Cavs, they're looking pretty good at the moment too, but I don't they're think okay, it's, but I mean, I they're not as legitimate as I feel like the Hawks are. I don't think Andre Drummond fits on that team as well as people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he, they're, they're, they should look to trade him. Yeah, because I'm not sold on the Cavs as much as I am on the Hawks. The yeah. Hawks are more convincing with them than the Cavaliers are. So you had brought up a player, and then I brought up their team, uh, just by coincidence. And also by coincidence, you just brought up a team, and I'm going to focus on one player. Uh, so my second stop and stare is about DeAndre Hunter. So, look, I mean, when, when he had like a little bit of a disappointing rookie year, everyone was kind of like, eh, like... People were like hesitant, like, should they really have spent the fourth pick on him? Look, like, when it comes to defensive players, they won't become great defensive players until a couple years into the league because they have to figure out NBA defense. They have to strengthen up their body. You know, so rookies are typically not very good at defense, typically. Uh, And that was DeAndre Hunter's main appeal, was 3 and D. Uh, But this year, he's really stepped up his defense a lot. He's really being an anchor for them on the wing. Uh, along with Reddish, uh, and Capella's been playing good defense too. Yep. I was really worried about this team's defense, and I still do have concerns about it. They've dropped, they've let teams score on them a lot, but yeah. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, he, he's, he's averaging 14.7 points per game, 6.5 rebounds, 2.2 assists. He's shooting 51% from the field and 48% from three on five threes a game, five threes taken a game, which is actually very, very good. That puts him in. Honestly, he should be looked at in a three-point contest consideration. Those are some really good numbers from three, even though it's a small sample size. Of course. Uh, he's obviously he's playing great defense. Uh, in my opinion, he was worth the pickup at four. I was really high on DeAndre Hunter in that draft. Uh, I thought he was going to become the best defender, and he's showing that, yeah, he's becoming the best defender in that draft. Most certainly. All right. Who's my last person for this segment has got to be Christian Wood. He's playing like an all-star right now. He's averaging 23.8 points per game, 10.8 rebounds per game, two assists, one steal, and 2.3 blocks per game. And he's shooting, he's scoring all that on a uh, 55%, 55.7% field goal percentage and a 35.3 three-point percentage. Mm -hmm. So he's shooting very well. He's putting up uh, efficient and effective numbers because he's helping them, um, just helping that team Put him in positions to win or to win. He was a great pickup for the Rockets. He compliments players like James Harden and John Wall. Yes. Because um, he doesn't always need the ball in his hand. You know, those two guys are very ball-dominant players, but he can score off the rip. 
Uh, I just like the way he's been playing. And it's really weird because we they got a very, very small sample size of this at its end of his run uh, as a Piston before, uh, obviously, the pandemic. And they didn't work a, uh, weren't in the bubble, so obviously no one knew what he was going to do afterwards. But um, I don't know how long it will last, but right now he's playing very well. I mean, I think he's legit. I mean, I've kind of – I've liked Christian Wood since probably like – Pelican days, like 2016 or so. Uh, like I was, I was like, you know, Christian Wood could be a good player. Like people need to give him more of a chance, uh, and he's really proven it now. He reached up beyond my expectations. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Christian Wood, he's just he's been very, very solid this year. He definitely could be an all star in the West, uh, even though it is very stacked in the West. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he, you know, the Rockets are finally figuring out. We do need a center. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, at least the, the GM is. The one thing I realized, too, uh, the fact that he's 6'10 and doing this, it's even more impressive because they that they do need height. Now it's one of their biggest issues last year, and uh, I feel like this could definitely help them in the long run. Uh, I want to bring up a couple of honorable mentions before I go into my last uh, team. But for an honorable mention, I do have the Orlando Magic. Uh, people are going to ask, like, why we didn't put them up here, but... Mm. I mean, look, the Magic, they kind of do this almost every year. They kind of start really hot, and then <laughs> yeah. they end up just, like, you know, just going out quiet. Like, they – I don't expect the Magic to keep this up. Uh, they did start, what, I think 4-0, and right? Or was it 3-0? Uh, they were undefeated. Until yeah, they were undefeated. They were undefeated for a while. I think they were, they were one of the last undefeated teams in the league. They, they were the last undefeated They team. were, okay. Yeah, so – the Magic, I mean, they can get an honorable mention. They, they have been playing good, but I don't expect this to keep up. Uh, Marco Fultz looked very good for them, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have John Wall here, but, I mean, if you talk, if you ever, like, talk to me about, like, if you would ask me before the season, what do you think John Wall's going to do this year? I would have been like, yeah, he's going to go back to being John Wall. I was, I was very confident in it. Uh, and it was mostly based off of, like, Look, like the Achilles is only a career killer to older players. It's not. A, it's not a career killer to uh, to young players. Uh, Demarcus Cousins proved that, uh, and now KD and John Wall are proving that. And I said both of them would come back and play their games, and they're both doing it. Um, yeah, I mean, for people who don't know what Achilles is like or what it does, it affects up and down movement, so jumping for the most part. And KD and John Wall both injured their non-jumping leg, their non-dominant jumping leg. So mm-hmm. it wasn't ever really going to affect them that much. Not to mention John Wall only partially tore it. He didn't even fully tear it. Yeah. So that's why I didn't put John Wall to stop and stare. I expect this of John Wall. <laughs> I was a bit blown away by John Wall's performance. Um, but it's still amazing the only that reason he why I didn't put him in because he didn't play that many games. He only played, what, two games yeah. so far? I mean, so, I don't want to downgrade what he's done. It's still amazing, but yeah. I like I knew all. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, knew, I knew he was gonna come back. I was a bit upset because def- the Wizards could definitely still use that. Uh-huh. But not, that's a pretty good one. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that. Later. Yeah. Okay, so uh, my last stop and stare uh, team is the Kings. Uh, the Kings look. They haven't like won every game, but they've been playing a lot better than most people have expected. Mm-hmm. They've had close games against very good teams, and they actually beat the Nuggets and the Suns. Uh, and they also had two very close games with the Rockets. It's just like this team is just, it's strange. I I, I don't know how everyone's so bought in. Uh, I feel like they, the Kings play best when they know they're the underdog. Because, you know, that one year they had expectations to make playoffs. They really did bad. But... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the Kings just, you know, every player is chipping in. They're all playing the role. Uh, I don't think it'll keep up. I don't think they'll 
do this through a whole season, but it's a good sign for their culture, especially for the future. You know, uh, there's been obviously rumors about they might trade Buddy Heald. I don't think they're going to trade him anytime soon. Uh, but, you know, Tyrese Halliburton's looked very good for them. Harrison Barnes looked very good for them. Marvin Bagley's looked pretty decent for them. Uh, I do wish they kept Harry Giles. I think Harry Giles would have been fantastic on this team. Uh, I also don't know why he went for the minimum in general, or why he you know went to a very stacked Blazers team who isn't using him. Uh, it's just very odd. I, I don't know why I, nobody was looking at Harry Giles. I think you know, a lot of teams, like even the Wizards, could use a center. Uh, so much certain. Like Harry Giles is a very solid. He's a very solid young player. Like I don't know why he's not getting looks like that. Uh, but he deserves looks. I I think the Kings did mess up by uh, letting him go. But you know they're still playing good right now. So I, I give it to the Kings. Yeah, it's interesting you said Marvin Bagley because Marvin Bagley's father uh, tweeted out that he wants his son yes. to be traded, and then Luke Walton was like, "We don't listen to any of that." <laughs> yeah, well I'm glad he dismissed that. But Luke Walton's also my concern with that team, and why I would not, I'm, I don't have much expectations because Luke Walton's not a very yeah. uh, good coach. He's kind of like the Cliff Kingsbury to me. He kind of relies on a couple things, but he's not actually utilizing and like pushing the players to their fullest. He's like Scott Brooks Jr. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get into that. Um, so let's move on to the next topic. What's wrong with the Raptors and the Wizards? We should probably start with the Raptors. We'll start with the Raptors for sure. Uh, do you want to go ahead and start, or should I go? Um, yeah, I have some some things to go. say about the Raptors. So the Raptors, I noticed they uh, struggle to play at home. Uh, they average ninety nine point five points per game. They are in Tampa Bay now. I would get to that as well. <laughs> um, ninety nine point five points per game. Um, as a team, it's unacceptable in this NBA. Everyone drops like a hundred plus points in like every game. It feels like so. That's for me. This is just home stats, but for me, that's very, very. It's very rough. They don't play very well at home in general. Um, as they actually turn over the ball more at home compared to road games, um, they actually turn over nineteen point five times on at home versus the, on the road. They turn over thirteen point seven times. The three point percentage is worse at home. Their assists, blocks, and offensive rebounds are also lower at home than on the road. Um, what you were mentioning, uh, which I was also get to that point as well, uh, I guess you could really say that they have no real home games this year, and that can definitely get into like uh, maybe the mental and why they're just not playing the way they are because they're you know, Toronto Raptors and they're playing in Tampa Bay. It's just not, you know, it's kind of strange in comparison to what they're normally used to. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the big reason why they're not playing well, but also they lost very important pieces in the, yeah, this offseason. Serge Ibaka and Marcus Al, who were two defensive anchors for that team, and just um, even leaders to a certain extent, uh, especially in Marcus Al. Um, Aaron Baines is currently their starting center, and uh, he has zero blocks on the season. I know it's like Six games or so, but as a center, zero blocks is... He's 6'11", too. He yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty dismal. Um, their best rim protector comes on the bench, and that's Chris Boucher. Boucher. Okay, I want to pronounce his name correctly. Um, he averages 2.2 blocks off their bench. Uh, and he also has the highest uh, player efficiency rating on the team. 
so the dude on your bench is more efficient than starters, which is also worrisome um, to why they're struggling this season. Um, no real players came in to fill in the roles of Gasol and Ibaka, which yeah. definitely is killing that team right now. And I still think that the starter who got to Siakam's head and still has not really found that yeah. uh, that correct rhythm just yet. It seems like the issues are carrying over from the bubble to Tampa Bay, which is bad because it's all in Florida. So maybe that Florida energy is definitely getting to him or something. Because uh, right now he's currently averaging 16.5 points on 39% shooting um, and 28% from three. So he's not playing the best. Um, the whole team, the team as a whole in general, is, uh, has a negative plus minus of 2.6. So my issue, that I guess ultimately for me, the biggest issue with the Raptors is just they have no real rim protection. No one really came in to fill in the spots for Ibaka and I agree Gasol. With, yeah, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, I also want to add that I thought there's been some questionable coaching decisions by Nick Nurse, uh, especially like not playing certain players more. Um, you know, I, I think they need to play uh, Chris Boucher more. I agree. Uh, he definitely is... He's kind of their defensive anchor at the at, at the at the rim. I think he definitely needs to play more, maybe even start. Who knows? Uh, but I wouldn't mind him starting other games. I mean, he's been fantastic. I mean, he's still young. He kind of did get bodied a little bit by Joel Embiid, but that's Joel Embiid. He's the best center in the league, so I, I don't blame him for that. But there was a, there were a few games where like he just wouldn't play Boucher that much, or he wouldn't, you know, he'd bench him early or something. Like Nick Nurse just needs to just pick his just pick your nine or ten best guys and just roll them out. I don't know. They just played him consistently because uh, I think that's really hurting them a little bit. Uh, I, Siakam just doesn't look good. Yeah. Like, this is another, like, Oubre situation where I don't know why. I mean, I guess maybe he's been figured out a little bit. His offense is pretty predictable. Uh, he really only has a couple moves on offense, you know, just like a spin move and some <laughs> other stuff. People make jokes about that all the yeah. time. But he really does need to develop more offensive skills. He needs to get a, a more varied offensive skill set. He needs to shoot better in general. Yeah, improve he just, three point shot, for sure. I, I think it's a lot of it is mental as well for, for Siakam. I think he just doesn't, you know, I think he feels that heat and that criticism from the bubble. I think, I think he's still feeling it now. And there's also just no, there's no secondary playmaker to take off pressure off of a 34-year-old Kyle Lowry. They're still relying on him to make up for most of their playmaking and a lot of their offense. Yeah. Like, you can't be doing that at this stage if you want to compete for the playoffs. Like, Kyle Lowry's a very good player, but he's really their only playmaker on the team. I mean, Van Vliet, he, they paid him a lot of money, but he is an off-ball player. He's not he, a playmaker. He, he, his best play when they got out of him was off-ball. Yes, and he plays best when next to Lowry, like a playmaker. Agreed. So when they, whenever they bench Lowry and they put in, um, they put in Van Vliet, the offense just stagnates. From what I've seen, uh, I think they could do good with playing Malachi Flynn a little bit more. He he is mainly a scorer, but he does playmake a little bit. I think he could help out, but they just really need a, a, a secondary playmaker, whether that be like a playmaker from the wing or just even from the center position. They can use a play a playmaker anywhere else that can do something to help Kyle Lowry. He's thirty four years old. <laughs> you, he he can't be the only playmaker on the team. Yeah, Kyle Lowry is not LeBron James. He he can't yeah. he can, like get better with age. He's other time definitely catching up to Kyle Lowry. Um, so they definitely need someone to really help. 
push the envelope with that team. Because yeah. that team didn't have anyone scoring over 20 points per game. So they need someone to also score. Because um, Kyle Lowry can't drop 30, a 30 piece every game and, you know, hope for the best. Like, he's maybe. There's games where he can go score zero points. We've seen this before. Um, and also, everyone talks about the little things he does. But if he's not scoring and no one else is scoring, doesn't matter how many little things he does. <laughs> Because someone needs to put some, you know, put some points up. Um, that team is just not looking like the team that I thought they'd be. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now we're going to get into the Wizards. Uh, so, yeah, I don't even have notes for this. I'm going to let you uh, take this one over. Right. I might add little things here and there. Yeah, feel free to interrupt whenever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, with the Wizards, I, there's, I think there's three main issues. I think the first issue is their defense definitely needs serious work. Uh, I think another issue is that I think Westbrook and Beal as well both need to pick better shots. Uh, and the final issue is Scott Brooks. Okay, look, I have so much to say about Scott Brooks. So <laughs> this all started in the off season. I'm, I'm looking right at the camera. This all started in the offseason when they traded a wall for Westbrook, right? Uh, when you bring in that big of a piece into your team, you need to build chemistry between him and Beal, who's your other star player. When you bring in a player of Westbrook's caliber, someone who demands the ball a lot, someone who's just like, he's another star. He needs to learn how to play with Beal. Wall didn't need to do that. He knows how to play with Beal. Westbrook doesn't. This is his first time playing with another very, very good star guard. Besides Harden, but Harden wasn't a star yet at OKC. Westbrook and Beal need chemistry. And so what does Scott Brooks do? He doesn't play them in any preseason games together. <laughs> what is up with that? This is a shortened season, a shortened training camp. Are you just going to figure out why you're going along in the season? That seems to be his attitude. He's very laid back about it. Look, the Wizards' defense is horrendous. Mm -hmm. Just because Westbrook and Beal are cooking the Wizards in defense, the Wizards' bench units, doesn't mean they're going to do that against NBA-level defenders who are legitimately trying to stop them. Practice is not the same as a real game. Even preseason is not the same as a real game. But it's better, it's closer than practice. Why do you not play them together in preseason? I don't understand that. I get he wanted to see some of the young guys. He wanted to see some of the role players. But we don't have time for that. There's 72 games in the season. There's only three preseason games. There's a shortened training camp. Play those two together. At least for one game. Get them accustomed to each other. He's holding this team back with his god-awful rotations, man. <laughs> Look. I've, I've heard Scott Brooks complain so much about defense and about how we need to get stops, we need to play better transition defense, all this stuff. He keeps talking about that, but he benches and doesn't play Isak Bonga, the team's best defender. Did you know last season, in defensive real plus minus, Isak Bonga was number, number three in the entire league for the small forward position? He was the third best defender behind LeBron James and I believe Kawhi Leonard in defensive real plus minus in the league. If you, if you account for the garbage time and take out the garbage time, that is. He was third best. That good of a defender. 
I know he's a little anemic on offense. I know he, you know, but he does hit corner threes. He can handle the ball a little bit. So he's not totally useless on offense. He's our best defender. If we have a defensive problem, play him. It's so obvious. It's such an obvious decision. It literally baffles my mind how he just hasn't done it. Jerome Robinson, he's brought in Jerome, Jerome Robinson instead. And Jerome Robinson, he's been decent on defense. I actually really like what he's brought to the table on defense. And he's also been good on Oh, he's been okay on offense. Yeah. But, look, man, if you want to improve your defense, why don't you start by playing your best defender? It's just such an obvious thing. I feel like I'm going crazy just trying to mention it. Like, I feel like Scott Brooks should be like, oh, whatever. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know, what's, I don't know what's up with this. And, oh, my goodness. He plays three guard rotations. He has Raul Neto. He's six foot three. He has Raul Neto playing small forward. Small forward. Imagine Raul Neto matching up against six nine LeBron James. Are you kidding me? You're you're begging. You're begging to get destroyed on defense. You're begging for it. And sometimes he plays four guard rotations. Four guards in the NBA? Are we the Rockets? We saw how well that worked for the Rockets. We don't have anybody on the level of James Harden or Robert Covington or even P.J. Tucker on this team. You can't play a lineup of Westbrook, Beal, Neto, and Troy Brown Jr. with Thomas Bryant at center and then complain about the defense. What is up with that? How do you complain about that? You're the re you're putting bad lineups out there. It's like it's like asking an apple to become an orange. You can't. <sighs> he. I, I kind of interject. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Dallas Bertans on defense is really bad as well, and they keep him in a lot of times in late game situations just because of height. But defensively, he, he didn't even rebound very well either he's, for his height. He's horrible. He's awful. He's awful. But there's a reason for that, and I'll get to that in a little bit. All right. So, another thing that Scott Brooks does is that he just doesn't know how to manage minutes. He doesn't. I mean, look, he's been quoted as saying, you know, uh, that he just basically plugs and plays guys, and he's like, oh, well, I don't know what I'm going to get. I keep plugging different guys in. I keep getting something different. Dude, <laughs> like, you expect every player to play the exact same in every single game? No. Of course, when you plug in different guys, different stuff is going to happen, dude. You... Uh, it's just so, like, his reasonings for the stuff he does is just so illogical to me. It's just, you know, he needs to learn how to just do the obvious thing. Take your nine best guys, no matter who they are, just take your nine or ten best guys and just play them. That's it. The reason I think Scott Brooks keeps playing three or four guard lineups is because he wants to find minutes for these guys. You can find minutes for them in other ways. He wants to play Ish Smith, and he also wants to play Raul Neto. But he, we also have Westbrook, and we also have Beal, right? So what can you do in that situation? Well, I don't know. Maybe you can play Westbrook along with Neto. Maybe you can play Beal along with Ish Smith. And he does want to play Troy Brown as well. So if you do put Troy Brown in as the backup bench, you know, maybe you demote Ish Smith to third string as a point guard, and you can bring him in the second half. Let, you know, let Neto handle the first half, put Ish Smith in the second half. It's, there's, there's so many solutions other than playing Raul Neto and at small forward. Like, that doesn't solve anything. That doesn't solve anything. It, he's, he's yelling at 
nobody. He's yelling at a brick wall because he's creating all his problems. He's building this brick wall in front of him, and then he's yelling at it and being like, why aren't you concrete? Like, what? you're the one that's doing this. You're, you're part of the problem. And there's, okay. Scott Brooks doesn't know how to utilize playmakers that are above six foot four. He's holding Denny Avdia back. Did you know Denny Avdia, his plus minus is actually ridiculous. When he's on the floor, Wizards are plus 52. When he's off the floor, they're minus 65. For a rookie, that is an absolutely insane number. The, amount, the impact he has on our, on, on our offense and our defense in general is amazing. So, why do I say he's holding him back? It's because he's doing the same thing to him as he has done to Troy Brown for the past few years. He's trying to turn Troy Brown into a 3 and D guy. Because he doesn't know how to run sets where uh, Troy Brown handles the ball. He doesn't know how to run offense like that. And he doesn't know how to run offense where Denny handles the ball. And let me say, Denny is a jack of all trades. He can do a little bit of everything. And playmaking is one of his strengths. Why are you not using his strengths? You're just turning him into, they're trying to turn him into a 3 and D catch and shoot guy. And while he can do that, he is good at that. He can do so much more. Unleash Denny. Let him come with the bench a little bit. Let him handle the ball. I, we, he's shown flashes of incredible passing mm -hmm. uh, in certain games where he gets to handle the ball. Do that more often. I don't know why he's not. Well, actually, I can tell you why he's not. It's because they don't run any type of offense. They just say, here's the ball and go. Half the time on Russell Westbrook's shots, I keep looking at him, and he's standing there like waiting for somebody to do something. Set a screen, do some off-ball movement. There's no off-ball movement. There's nothing. There's no. There's barely any screen setting. Scott Brooks knows how to do two plays. He knows how to do a drag screen, and he knows how to do a pick and roll. That's all he knows how to do. That's uh, Those are the only two books in his playbook. Only two plays in his playbook. Russell Westbrook will sit there and just be like, Waiting for somebody to do something. Something. And he's already picked up his dribble, so he can't move. He can't move. And then time is running out, and he's like, okay, well, I have to shoot this now. And that's why his percentages look pretty bad. It's because he's being he's being forced to take these shots that he shouldn't be shooting in the first place. But that's not totally on Westbrook. It's because nobody off ball is doing anything. Scott Brooks hasn't taught this team how to do anything except for swing the ball once in a while. But you can't keep swinging the ball if nobody's open, if nobody's driving, if none of that is happening. The offense is completely stagnant, and it's horrendous. It's, it's horrible to watch. Genuinely. Rui Hachimura against the, I believe it was the Bulls in the second game, when he came back, his first game, he was 5 of 6 at halftime. Scott Brooks didn't drop any place to get him the ball more, and he ended, I think it was what, like 7 of 9. Come on. Like, he was hot going into the half. Keep feeding him. Instead, he just tells Westbrook and Beal and Raul Neto, tells all of them to go out there and just do whatever. His three or four guard lineups, you know, it wouldn't be bad if their offense could keep up with it, but their offense just doesn't because they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. He's just saying, go play. Seriously. I mean, it's, it's legitimately ridiculous. And let me tell you something about Russell Westbrook. Scott Brooks is holding back Russell Westbrook as well. Let me tell you why. So, in the, in the preseason, I remember Scott Brooks did say something about how he doesn't let Russell Westbrook dunk in practice. 
He has a no dunk rule for Russ for Russell Westbrook. Do you want to know why he has that rule? Because according to him, you only have so many dunks left at that age. Dude, Vince Carter was 40 still putting up dunks. People that can dunk like that don't lose that ability until they're like at least 50 or so, man. What do you mean he has so many dunks? If you're worried about him getting injured, I understand that. But then why are you letting him take layups in practice? In basketball, if you jump, you run the risk of getting injured, no matter how high you're jumping or what. So if you're worried about Russell Westbrook getting injured from dunking by jumping, why are you letting him take layups? He's jumping either way. Let him dunk it. Westbrook's game is based on a lot of hype and energy. He can't get that energy from a little jelly layup. He gets that energy by dunking it. And it energizes not just him, the whole team. The whole team gets hyped when he dunks. And telling him not to dunk in practice is rubbing off in the games. Because now something's going through his head, I'm pretty sure, where he's just like, I, like no dunk, no dunk, no dunk. He's so used to saying that to himself in practice that he's doing it on the floor, in the game. You should practice how you play. Because those are the habits you will create. And Westbrook is being created, or Westbrook's uh, creating habits that Scott Brooks has forced upon him that are not good, that aren't good for his game, that aren't good for the team, anything. Straight up, he just, look, there's, there's an account called Scout by Brian. And he was a former wizard scout. And he, he went off on Scott Brooks after the Bulls lost. He said that Scott Brooks doesn't watch any film. He doesn't prepare for games. He doesn't draw plays. Uh, he barely even uses whiteboards. And it's very obvious that you, you, you can literally see all that on the court. You can see exactly all these issues that are on the court. Straight up. I don't care that they beat the Nets. I don't care that they beat the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves were missing Carl Anthony Towns, <clears throat> who would have dropped 50 probably on Thomas Bryant. I love Thomas Bryant, but he probably would have dropped 50 on him. And Tyler Carter would probably shout out as a prospect of that as well. Exactly. I'm not impressed by the Nets win because the Nets just straight up choked it. I wouldn't say the Wizards won it. I would say the Nets straight up choked it. Because they had two good looks in the, at, at the end of the game to win it, and they missed. KD was literally wide open. 90% of the time, he hits that shot. If he did, everyone would be talking about, dang, our defense sucked. But now, I feel like some Wizards fans are like, yo, this is it. We're going on a run. Nah. As long as we have Scott Brooks as our coach, I don't think we're going anywhere. <laughs> And at this point, it seems like Tommy Shepard's picking Scott Brooks over Bradley Beal. That's what it feels like to me. Because if you really wanted the best for this team, you would have fired Scott Brooks last year. Oh, yeah. Most Sc certainly. Scott Brooks, I don't want to take anything away from him in, in the fact of, like, he's a good developmental coach. When he's, I think Scott Brooks is at his best <coughs> when he's playing on a team with no expectations with a bunch of young players. Then they can develop them to the best of their games and just like roll with them. But as a coach who's supposed to contend or try to make the playoffs, he doesn't do it for me, man. I don't, he doesn't, he's not good enough. I don't understand why he's not on the hot seat. I haven't heard any reports about him being on the hot seat um, at all, which is just, in my opinion, ridiculous. And he's genuinely holding this team back. He needs to play Isak Bonga more. He. He needs, he needs to play. You can't keep preaching about defense and not play your best defender. There's so many obvious solutions to this. I'm in a Wizards group chat, and all the guys in there came up with better rotations and schemes 
than our coach, our head coach. These are just fans of the game. And they're, they seem like they're putting in more work than Scott Brooks is to, to uh, developing the rotation and the mids in the offense. And I do want to say something about Rui. He definitely needs to feed Rui more. He needs to run more plays for Rui. I don't want to see all this fade into non-existence type stuff. Because Otto Porter basically faded into non-existence when Scott Brooks was in. And he's looking really good on the Bulls right now. I wonder why. Yeah, he uh, missed, what, 26 points when he played against us? 28, I think. 28, yeah. And Rui, I'm scared that's going to happen to Rui and Denny. I'm really Those two are the wings for the future of this team. I wouldn't be surprised if Beal was off this team. I'm not going to lie. By the end of the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if this trade was offseason. I wouldn't. Uh, I'd be okay with it as long as it got a really good package. And my heart was already ripped out of my chest when John Wall left. That was when I was like, yeah, this is probably the end for this Wizards team. I could see I could see Beal getting traded. Uh, I hope we get a good package for him. Uh, I'm just going to try to enjoy watching Beal as much as I can this season. Because if Scott Brooks is still the coach by the end of the year, which this is his last year, so he's not gonna, he's not gonna play. I, I assume he's not gonna get re-signed. I hope, I hope he does not get re-signed. But if if Scott Brooks is still the coach by the end of the year, I think Beal's gone. Because I I don't see this team making any higher than the eight seed, which Beal doesn't want to make. He wants to make a little bit of a higher seed. He said that this team started zero and five. And they dropped win- so many winnable games, twice against the Magic and twice against the Bulls. They could have won technically all of those games. At best, they could be four and one right now. At worst, they should have been two and two and what three? At worst, I'm just I'm. He needs to go. Yeah. Scott Brooks. I don't like to call for people's jobs like that. I think it's a little you know messed up, but. I'm just saying, if I was the Wizards GM, I would take a very hard look. I would very carefully study what Scott Brooks is doing and the effect he has on this team. Because I've noticed ever since we've had Scott Brooks, this wasn't a problem with Randy Whitman, the former coach. We never, we always play to our competition. We, we always play down to whoever's worse than us. We always play up to whoever's better than us. We never beat the bad teams we're supposed to beat. And I'd say a lot of that's coaching. He's not preparing them mentally, physically. Something's going wrong here. Mm-hmm. Just get rid of Scott Brooks. Bring in Kenny Atkinson or just somebody else. This team needs a new person at the helm. Scott Brooks has been here too long, and he has not done enough. And he's been getting way too many chances. And I, I would be very surprised if he's on this team again uh, come, going into next year. But... I mean, if he's not on the hot seat after 0-5, I don't know when he's going to be on the hot seat. I mean, I, my biggest fear is that he gets re-signed. That's my biggest fear as a Wizards fan. Besides yeah, losing Beal, is that Scott Brooks gets re-signed. Mm-hmm. Um, one place into another, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's basically everything I have on why the Wizards suck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even put notes. I was literally just going to let you do all the talking. Um, Honestly, for me, when it comes to the Wizards, it's, it, you pretty much said everything. It's really just Scott Brooks. Scott Brooks is really holding this team back. And um, you're talking about the fact of Russell Westbrook not dunking. I can't recall one time he dunked this season. I From watching the games, I don't remember I think one. he had one in the first game, and that's it. 
Yeah. Oh, also, I want to get into... Oh, before I end this, resting Russell Westbrook? Why are we resting Russell Westbrook? And why did we trade John Wall, who we were going to rest, because obviously injury stuff, if we're just going to trade him for a guy who we're also going to rest? What is this? We can't rest a dude at 0-5. I know we won the game, but like logically, when you're 0-5, you don't rest your like second best player. Look, Russell Westbrook, he is 32 and he's getting older. But we need him. Resting teams, resting players, is for teams that know we're going to make the playoffs. So let's save ourselves for that. What playoffs are the Wizards going to make? The play-in tournament at best. We're 0-5. Play Russell Westbrook. Why did we trade for him if we're not gonna play him? Yeah, play him. He's gonna rest fourteen games. He's gonna get back to back, like fourteen yes. back to back games. And now it's gonna, and now you're basically begging for that narrative to start of is Westbrook actually good for this team or not? Because now there's gonna be two teams. There's gonna be a team without Westbrook when he's resting, and the team with Westbrook. And people are gonna pick those two teams apart. And you saw when uh, when the Timberwolves won their first game, people were all over Twitter and Instagram like, ah, yeah, they don't need Westbrook at all. Westbrook's garbage, like. He doesn't help this team at all. Which, first off, is not true. He's our best rebounder. <laughs> I just think he needs to take a little bit better shots. Oh, his shots. That's basically his, that's his biggest problem. But mm. he's our best rebounder. His defense is, is not great. Uh, but it's passable enough. Uh, you know, he, he play makes. He does turn the ball over a little bit. He does, you know, make plays for other, for other players. He just, you know... I just don't even know what to say right now. Like, a lot of this, so much of this is on Scott Brooks, and now there's going to be that narrative of are the Wizards better with or without Westbrook because there's going to be two different teams totally, and that's going to start to have some effect in the locker room. I'm sure it will. It's going to have some effect, especially in the media. So I don't, I just don't know what to say at this point other than, you know, I don't think we should keep Scott Brooks as the head coach of this team. I think he should move on to somewhere else. Couldn't agree anymore with you. I feel like you kind of hit everything that I was thinking about. Um, team's just really difficult to watch. Um, and it really all starts at the leadership and then in the coach. Um, just never really been there. Scott Brooks, I wasn't even a big fan when he first got hired. I thought it was kind of cool that maybe they got Scott Brooks to try to, you know, Get KD to come to the Wizards like way the, back when. That's the whole reason they signed him and he didn't get him. So they were locked into a five-year contract with a dude who like wasn't even going to be there. Like, yeah, so it, it was really, you know, the signing from the start was kind of messy. I just, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm, I'm, I'm really over the Scott Brooks era. And I'm ready for something different. I was sure. excited for Westbrook and Beal, but with Scott Brooks at the helm, this season is going to be a wash. That's just my opinion. Yeah, so I had them in our uh, predictions last episode. I had them making the playoffs, but watching it, it just seems like none of the problems really got addressed. If anything, seems like they're kind of a bit worse. Um, Scott Brooks is creating more problems than he's solving. Also, we should we should play Garrison Matthews. Like if we need shooting, like if we're not shooting well, and one night throw in Garrison Matthews. He's a really yeah. good shooter. Let him let him go for it. If we're not defending well one night. Throw in Isak Bamba. It's just so many obvious little things he can do to really yeah. improve the team, but he's not doing it. It's bothering because I keep thinking Bershans is the, the answer, but Bershans is full. First off, he's not fully in shape yet. Yeah. 
Second of all, he never plays defense from the start. And right now, he's not shooting very well from three. So all those things that used to work in our favor for Berton is not really working in our favor. And something else is that, like, just the way he handled the minutes, like, whenever we get a lead, Scott Brooks just kind of, like, backs off. He lets the other team come through because he benches Beal, he benches the starters, lets them bench Dylan. Yeah. And then the bench is facing the other team's starters, and they're getting cooked. Yeah. Because you can't put a bench against the, another team's starters and expect <laughs> it to go well. And so he's, he leaves them in for a long time until the lead's basically almost tied, until it's basically gone. And then he brings in the starters, like, okay, guys, finish this game off. Like, what? Dude, <laughs> Drew Gooden, even Drew, look, even Drew Gooden was telling Scott Brooks on the broadcast, like, Put your put your uh, foot on the neck and just step on it, man. Like go. Like if you're up by, all right, let's say they're up by twenty and it's like the middle of the third quarter. Would you rest your starters and then bring them in later in the fourth? No. No. You you push your starters. You let them finish it out and you demoralize the other team to the point where once you hit the fourth quarter, boom. Like that. that like you'll have like maybe thirty or forty point lead. And then they can't come back from that. It's impossible. Then you rest your starters. Like, all right, you had a good night. Rest. But this man keeps he keeps benching Beal in the middle of the third quarter and doesn't bring him back until the middle of the fourth. <laughs> Dude, like, you didn't have any you didn't have any problems playing Beal like 40 minutes in the regular season last year. Why do you have a problem with it this year? Are we saving ourselves for playoffs? We're not even guaranteed playoffs. Yeah. Earn your way in there. If you can you can't rest your players. In my opinion, if you aren't a playoff team, and we're not a playoff team right now, so why are you resting? Why are you trying to manage the minutes so heavily? Let these guys play. You weren't managing anything last year. You were just letting them play. <laughs> you were letting Beal play. Beal averaged like I think the most minutes per game of anybody in the NBA. Probably did, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Scott Brooks had no problem with that, but now he has a problem. I don't understand, man. Like, <sighs> Scott Brooks, look, I don't hate you. I hate your schemes and I hate the, your coaching ability. <laughs> I, you know, I, I wish the best for you. Um, and I, I, you've been getting a little bit better as the games have been going on, but I just think we're not a, we're not compatible, Scott Brooks. The Wizards and the the Wizards and us are like you are not compatible. Uh, please go to a team that has full of young guys where you can thrive and you can just develop them, build them up, and not worry about winning every game. Go back to the Thunder. You're getting aging. Yeah, good point. So, uh, <laughs> I guess on that note, <laughs> on that note, we're um, concluding the second ever episode of the Speed Truth Spot Speed Truth Sports Podcast. Uh, if you've listened this long, please follow us or subscribe or something. Like, you can't tell me you've listened this long and not enjoyed it. <laughs> so, please uh, support us. Uh, like I said, follow us on social media. Uh, leave a like if you're on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Uh, I've been Bert. Trey, as always. And uh, we will catch you next time.